Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of More Than Sweat. I'm your host, Brooke Benton, and today's show is on how we settle for okay when we don't know what it feels like to feel good. Whew, this is a juicy one, and I'm so excited about diving right in. I have to give credit to one of my personal training clients. The message today originated because my client came to me and said she had blood work done, and it revealed that she's severely iron deficient. And her doctor said, we need to get on iron supplementation now. And she said, no, nah, I don't think so. I feel okay. And the doctor responded, that's because you don't know what it feels like to feel good. Oh my gosh, that really resonated with me. Chills. And so our entire message today is about that. I think a lot of people have been feeling okay since the pandemic. It's almost like you're standing in water and you see other people around you throwing a beach ball around and splish splashing and having a good old time. And you're just standing there. You're just standing there and letting the waves hit you. You should be playing. You should be enjoying life. Carpe diem. Nobody is promised of tomorrow. We may not have another day. So stop standing still. Stop being okay. Let's learn what it feels like to feel good. But if you're in an okay existence, you're just kind of getting through the grind day after day. It's almost like Groundhog Day. It's really hard to break out of that inertia because good enough really seems good enough until you've seen the other side. And I have some stories. I always have a story. So as a cyclist, I wrote in my book, Sweat with Brooke Benton, about how I got a road bike because back in 2010, I had done a charity bike riding event that was a 50-mile course in the hill country that I showed up at the race starting line with a cruiser bike. A cruiser bike, you're picturing it, like what you see on the beach with a banana seat and a basket. Yes, that's what I showed up at the race starting line, that everybody else has these like $10,000 triathlon bikes and fancy gear and whatevs, and I show up with a cruiser bike. Well, it was for raising money for cancer. The mantra was fighting cancer every mile. And my mother had recently been diagnosed with breast cancer earlier that year. So by golly, I was going to get through those 50 miles on a fixie beach cruiser. And I did. I got through the thing, but I would not recommend it to anybody because that was wicked hard, wicked hard. If you're going to do an endurance bike ride, you need a road bike. You need a bike made for that sort of thing. And especially in the hill country that you can change gears. So the very next day I went to a bike shop and bought myself a road bike. That is the road bike I've been using all of these 14 years since then. Well, just last week, I went riding with a friend who is an expert cyclist, and he takes a look at me and says, that bike is way too small for you. I'm like, this is the bike that I've been using ever since I bought it, you know, a decade and a half ago. He's like, yeah, and it's too small for you. I go to a bike shop and realize I've been riding on a 51-inch bike, and I need either a 54 or 56-inch bike. I'm over five foot seven, and my inseam is 34 inches, so... The bike was entirely too small for me. I'll tell you what, what, back when I was riding the bike often, I had a jacked up neck and I went to a chiropractor and he does a scan and he tells me I need to come in once a week and I'm going in and seeing him once a week and getting all these adjustments when really I didn't need a scan. I didn't need a chiropractor. I needed a new bike. And that's probably going to solve the problem. So now I am on the market for a used road bike that is going to suit me. A triathlon bike would probably work too, but it is real housewives kind of expensive. I went into a bike shop to see about buying a new one and golly geez, no way. I would have to win the lottery and sell like up million books to be able to buy a brand new road bike. So I'm looking for one second hand. 
All this to say, I was okay riding on a bike that I probably had gone into that bike shop back in 2010 and didn't get any assistance and just picked a pretty bike that looked about right. And,、uh, you know, I teach indoor cycling. And so I knew how I needed to measure the seat in order to match my height. But the frame's probably just, you know, too small for me. And so I can't wait to get to experience riding a road bike on a bike that's actually suited for my body. And I bet you the next time I come back and talk about riding on a bike、uh, in this podcast, I'm going to tell you that I went from feeling okay to feeling good because I didn't even know what it felt like to feel good riding a bike.、Mm, good story to come. And if anybody is selling a road bike that's about that size, hey, hit me up. Next story, next story. Okay, this one isn't even my story. I'm borrowing it from a girlfriend that was married to this playboy and he was running around and then ends up asking her for a divorce and she gives it to him. And after the divorce, he comes back, mea culpa, mea culpa, I'm so sorry, biggest mistake of my life, take me back. Well, by then, she had met another guy that was stable and supportive and loved her and was reliable. And she said, I've seen the other side. I'm never going back. She settled for okay because she didn't know what good was. He gave her a favor by asking her for a divorce. And you probably don't know this friend, but you're thinking about your friend. Everybody knows this friend. And if you don't know that friend, maybe that friend is you. Maybe you right now are settling for okay because you don't know what good is. You deserve to be treated right. I'll tell you that right now. You deserve to be treated right in a marriage and by anybody that you love and respect, family members included. They deserve you to treat them right too. So hear me on that. It's a two way street. You giving more than you have to is going to benefit them and it's going to benefit you too. So be more respectful, love deeper, give more, care more, and it will richly benefit not only your partner or your friends or your family, it's going to deeply benefit you. We are made to love each other. Love more. Next story. Oh, work stuff. Sometimes we think if I just get this job or I just get this promotion, then I'll feel good. Like it's okay right now, but what's going to make me feel good is if I get this next rung on the ladder. Accomplished, I climb up there. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think you're ever going to find that feeling good is tied to your work. I know it's not for me. And you're right now listening to this and being like, well, Brooke, you've done all of these things. You've got a book out. What if that book does what your goal is of moving millions to well being? It could do that. And I would love for it to do that. But it's not going to root in me long term goodness, long term feeling good. You're like, why the heck not? Well, because my work is not where my worth is. It's what I do and I believe in it and I really want it to be successful. I very much want this book to get people moving and to inspire women that they can do hard things with gumption and it feels good to do hard things. We're better for doing hard things. Get up and do it. Get up and go for it. I really hope that's the message that millions of women get by reading the book. But there is a genetic profile called consummate Overachiever profile. A human biologist named Gary Brecka says it can be measured if people have this consummate overachiever profile. I don't need to get any kind of testing done to tell you 
I have that. I have that. My dad has it. My brother has it. And it was really great to get an actual name that this exists because I always thought, well, man, I'm not a perfectionist. I know there's never been a day in my life where I thought that, hey, I'm close to perfect or if I kept trying, I would get perfect. But I'm always reaching for more. Good enough is never good enough. And I'm always adding another thing and another thing and trying to add more glitter to what I'm already doing. Consummate overachiever profile. Oh my goodness. Because of that, it gives me great joy to keep doing more and giving more and trying to better my best. It's also what made me a great runner, a great competitor in races, consummate overachiever profile. But it isn't where my goodness lies because it's never good enough. And it's it's something I'm proud of that I do things and I give back and I put all my heart into my work. But it's just okay. That is always going to be okay. That is always going to be standing in the water and just letting the waves splash me as I'm watching other people throw in the beach ball and doing the forward crawl. Be like, I want that. How do I get that? By doing all the things that nurture goodness on the inside. And a huge part of that is food and beverage. You know what I'm talking about. When you're consuming a lot of sugar and ultra processed foods, it feels really good in the instant that you put that on your taste buds. As soon as it's gone down, party's over. It doesn't bring long-term joy. In fact, when I'm really conscious about it, when I consume sugar, it tastes good at the moment. And then a little bit later, I'm wanting more sugar. And so I eat some more sugar. And a little bit later, I'm wanting more. It keeps you on the hamster wheel. And that low, it's not just a measurable low that you can measure with your, your do blood work. And you'll see that you had sugar, you had a spike, and then you came down crashing. And so then you needed more sugar to get on that spike again. There's also a depressive feeling in my gut. I can tell I am not well. I'm not feeling good after I've, I've eaten sugar. I can tell and I have to be aware of it. Otherwise, I'm just like, oh, something isn't right. Oh, sugar. Yeah, let's put some more of that in. Ultra processed foods. Same thing. They're loaded with chemicals and lots of times sugar too. Sometimes sugar and chemicals. My worst offender, many of you know this about me. I have a very hard time with marshmallows. Marshmallows taste delicious. If I see them, I instinctively want to grab a handful and put them in my mouth. In fact, I can enjoy a delicious cup of a espresso with oat milk. So an oat milk latte, really, unless I see marshmallows, then I have to handful a bunch of marshmallows on top. Then that that delicious espresso just becomes a carrier for my marshmallows. And I spoon the marshmallows out, get about halfway done with the latte, and then add more marshmallows in and keep really using the, the the delicious latte as just a way of getting more marshmallows in. You get what I'm saying? I, I lose the goodness of what, in essence, was a little bit of caffeine and some non-dairy milk with foam that's just really decadent. I could enjoy that unless I have marshmallows on top. Then it just all becomes about the ultra processed marshmallows. And the marshmallows that I like, the first ingredient is high fructose corn syrup. The second ingredient is sugar. And then there's a whole laundry list of other ultra processed foods that are all in the making of this marshmallow. And I have a hard time resisting. So what I have to do is let my logical brain take the driver's seat. If I let my emotional brain guide me with food choices, I will be eating marshmallows. I will be eating Pringles. I will be eating whatever's on the counter that I see. And I'm like, oh, that looks delicious. And I just throw it in without thinking. But if I let my logical brain take the driver's seat, I'll remember, hey, After you eat this, you feel bad. You always do. Every single time. There's not been an exception of a time that you ate a food like this and then 
an hour from now felt better because of it. You'll feel worse because of it. You should probably have that latte without marshmallows instead. Put a little cinnamon on top. Let the logical brain think about what is it that's going to make me feel good long term and not feel good in the moment. Because then I actually get a double dopamine kick because I'll feel good about myself for resisting the ultra processed foods or the sugar and I'll feel good later on when I've lost weight and I feel good in my gut and I feel good about my diet choices. I'm making wise decisions. I'm doing things that are beneficial for me. And this all leads to feeling good. Foods that are known to make you feel good are high fiber foods, lean protein, and omega-3 fatty acids. That has nothing to do with ultra processed foods or sugar. So the the overarching elements that need to go in the food that hits my mouth need to be fiber, lean protein, and omega-3 fatty acids. And I know it's true because when I do eat that way, I feel good on the inside. Beverage, let's get to beverages. You know I'm going to talk about booze. You're like, here you go, hitting me over the head again about how you'll feel good if you abstain from alcohol. I'm going to hit you over the head with it because you will feel good if you abstain from drinking poison. Alcohol is poison, and I, for the longest time, was right there with you on the bandwagon that people that don't drink are just boring, no fun fuddy-duddies, that they don't understand that it's a good time when you drink, it tastes good, you kick back, you relax, you take the load off. Why do you need to take a load off? Maybe you should feel your feelings And then there's not going to be a load to take off. And if your friendships all revolve around getting together and drinking, where's the friendship there? If that's alcohol, that is a joint community of getting together and consuming poison. Where's the friendship? It needs to be deeper than that. It needs to be richer than that. And if it isn't, then it's not a friendship anyways. Alcohol, what it does is depresses you. If you have big energy like I do, it's nice to have a depressant to to kind of bring you down to everything is mellow. It's okay. You're happy. It's all good. You can let things just brush off your shoulder, but it's going to come back like a whammy when it hits you with a hangover and dehydration and a headache. You're feeling bad and you just keep through this vicious cycle living this way when life is precious. You can feel your feelings and you can feel good just for the sake of feeling good. And all you have to do is not drink alcohol and it's going to save you bukus and bukus of money and it's going to make you feel better in your gut and it's going to decrease your risk of cancers. It's going to do so much to help you and it's free. It's not that you have to buy something or take something else. You just stop drinking alcohol. It's so expensive and so bad for you. And it's going to be hard initially. You're going to have some sleep disturbances. You know, when you drink alcohol, you can go to sleep super easy. But then you wake up with anxiety and depression and fear and all these thoughts ruminating through your head. You don't have to live like that. It's not going to happen. But initially, when you stop drinking, if you have been drinking for a while, you'll probably find it's harder to go to sleep. With time, your body will adjust. Your liver will heal. You will feel better on the inside. And it's going to take that. It's going to take going through the hard stuff initially and knowing that it's going to be worth it. It will be worth that hard stuff in the beginning. Don't think that I'm going to do this for Whole30 and then I get to drink again. There is no benefit that alcohol provides you whatsoever. Not the taste, not the feeling. You you think it's an upper. It's not an upper. It's a depressant. The way it changes your personality, your personality is fantastic just the way you are. You are less of yourself when you drink alcohol, not more. And if people say, well, I miss 
drunk you or I miss fun you that's really you when you're drinking, then they don't really love you anyways. They're missing the real you, which is fantastic. You are amazing. And you won't know that until you quit for way longer than a whole 30 or for a brief period of time. Alcohol is no benefit. Why drink it at all? Why? I feel good. And so now I know that back when I would drink and back when I would eat garbage like marshmallows, ultra processed foods, lots of sugar, I didn't feel good. I only know that from this vantage point of seeing where I'm at and being like, I am never going back there. Never am I going back there. So I have developed a program. It's called Heavy Hundred. I knew that I wanted to do all of these things in my life as I was developing the program before I tested it out, but I did test it out last year. For 100 days, I led a group through a program that the acronym is H-E-A-V-Y. H is heavy dumbbell lifting. E is endurance aerobic activity outdoors. A is abstaining from alcohol. V is vegetables, 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 which read high fiber. And why is yielding screen time? The devil's in the devices. So putting the device down and being mindful that when we get on it, typically we get on it as something to soothe our boredom. But when we get off the device, which can end up being an hour, an hour and a half later, we feel like our time has been sucked. We've been robbed of that precious time and we feel worse than we did before we got on and started mindlessly scrolling. So we are going to yield screen time. That's what this is developed on. I led a group through it from... March 13th through the middle of June last year. I went through it myself. I held myself to the same standards that everybody in the group did. I've posted pictures on my website, brookbenton.com, of my before and after, and it's, it's pretty drastic. It's pretty drastic of the results I saw from a very simple program, no restrictive eating, no over-exercising. In fact, I exercised less on the program than I did before I started. My husband went through the program, had drastic results and we've both been able to keep them off. Other people in the group have had great results. In fact, they're wanting to do it again. I will offer this program again. It is because it will teach you that right now you're just okay. You're just standing in the water and you deserve to feel good. Join them doing the front crawl. Stop your front crawl. Pot toss the beach ball around for a little bit. Get back in. Do the forward crawl some more. And life is good. You deserve to feel good. I will be launching another Heavy 100 program on March 18th. You can get all the details at brookbenton.com. But let me elaborate a little bit more on why each point is there and how it helps you feel good and how much time we're talking about here. H is heavy dumbbell lifting. So we're not just lifting three pound, five pound dumbbells that pretty much just aggravate the joint and don't do anything to help you to preserve beautiful muscle mass that you will lose as you age unless you make a concerted effort to continue to weight train and weight train with weights that actually challenge your muscles. It's only 10 minutes per day of strength training. You'll need one set of heavy dumbbells at home, and I'll go into specifics on my website to tell you what heavy might mean for you, whether you're new to strength training or you've been doing resistance training for a while. But a set of heavy dumbbells, 10 minutes a day. One day is going to focus on legs and glutes, another back and biceps, another on heavy hit, another chest and triceps, a core day. We will have a recovery day. The worst thing that you can do is continue to train, 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 and not take any recovery. Neurologically, you've got to let your body know it can come down. You cannot always be hypervigilant in fight or flight, taxing that sympathetic nervous system. You got to let your parasympathetic nervous system reign supreme sometimes too. So we will have a recovery day. E is endurance aerobic activity outdoors. My favorite color is sunset. 
I love spending time outdoors, even if it has nothing to do with physical activity. But when you put the two together, it is a beautiful thing. We're talking way more feeling of goodness on the inside by moving your body outdoors in unity with nature than if you're in a temperature-controlled studio. I know this program goes into June when it gets pretty hot most places. So if it's uncomfortable to the point that it could be dangerous or maybe it's raining outside, you can substitute your 20 minutes of outdoor activity indoors. But really try to prioritize getting outside and moving with nature every day for at least 20 minutes. So that is your E. It doesn't have to be intense. Sometimes it might just be a hike or a walk with a friend, but it is endurance activity. That means you're not starting and stopping. That means not walking your dog and stopping so you can scoop up poop. You're staying in a steady state aerobic zone. A is abstaining from alcohol. You will not believe me until you are there, until you have not drank alcohol for a while and you feel what it feels like to just be consistently at an eight. You're not a five, you're not a 10, you're not a one, you're not vacillating all across the scale of your emotions. You just feel good. You just feel good because you're putting the right things in your body by eating the right things, which we're going to get to next, and by abstaining from alcohol. You drink water. You drink sparkling water. You put good things in your body. I never would have thought that life could be this great. A steady eight, waking up every morning feeling like uh, like I feel when, when you're falling in love. And then the next morning, having that same feeling and the next morning, waking up with that same feeling and just being a steady eight where it's not just mind over matter. It actually is matter. It is how you feel on the inside and it's unshakable. Things can happen bad in the world and you can still be unshakably good on the inside by doing these things that are setting up the goodness, that are making you best friends with your inner narrator, which otherwise is going to be a vicious inner critic. V is vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. Vegetables are loaded with fiber. That means that they have insoluble and soluble fiber that can fill you up and also work like a vacuum cleaner to go through your body, sucking up the muck, and then you just poop it out. Fiber is so good for you for satiety, but also for decreasing your risks of plenty of types of cancer. You can eat a ton of it. And it's very low calorie. You're not going to gain weight because you're eating vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. Eat vegetables to your heart's content. You won't be hungry, but you will feel satisfied. It's going to take time that your body is okay with eating a ton of vegetables and not going right for crackers and pretzels and the typical things that you reach for when you want a snack. And you will combine your vegetables with fat and protein so that you've got more staying power. And we'll go more into detail with it in the program. But think like ricotta cheese with your carrots and celery with some nut butter. And you could have broccoli with some delicious Parmesan cheese and basil on top. So there's going to be tons of ideas of how you can eat your vegetables, but vegetables galore when you're on this program. And why is yielding screen time? We all have such a problem right now with having our cell phones in our hand or right by our bedside at all times. And it does bring you down. You get on there to satisfy boredom, but it is okay to be bored. We are never bored anymore. Allow yourself to be bored or to satisfy your boredom by going on a walk or reading a book or taking a bubble bath or cleaning the house. Whatever you need to do to do something that after you finish, 
you're going to be elevated. You're going to be in a better place for having done it. Whereas getting on your screen time, getting on your phone and mindlessly scrolling through Facebook that really makes you dislike your friends, right? You see the same person's posting the same kind of thing over and over. Maybe it's me and you like that person less. You like your friends less because of this time that you're self-selecting yourself into mindlessly scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever your thing is that you don't have to do this. So we're going to be mindful about it by limiting screen time in the program, I'm going to recommend that you take the last hour of your day before going to sleep as a device-free time. You're not on your device. And if that doesn't work for you because of the hours of your job or whatever the thing is, you're going to make another specific hour of the day that you are typically on your phone. And for the 100 days that you're on Heavy 100, you're not going to be on your phone. These things are going to stack the dominoes up to where when we get into June, you have done all the work that you can look back and then realize, man, I was settling for okay because I didn't know what it felt like to feel good. And it is my prerogative to get you to feeling good. And that's why Heavy 100 exists. I hope you'll check out the program. It's on brookbitten.com. And I hope you'll walk and talk with me next week when we talk about to be gifted at something and loving it are two different things. Ah, can't wait. I'll see you back next Friday. Have a great week. And I'm Brooke Benton signing off for More Than Sweat.